0: Welcome, everyone. It's me, Rob Howe, and this is the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. I just wanted to toss out some gratitude your way because your continued support is the reason we've been able to get these amazing guests on the podcast. But we're always taking recommendations, so if there's someone you're dying to hear from but I haven't found a way to interview yet, let me know on Instagram or send me an email. I can think of a few, but I won't mention them by name just yet. Also, a word on the street is that our friends at Beyond Type 1 have launched the Beyond Type 1 Power Up campaign. They're inspiring people to get charged up all October long by supporting programs and initiatives that change what it means to live with Type 1. I love Beyond Type 1. I think that their perspective on the Type 1 lifestyle is super refreshing, and so I'd encourage you guys to check it out. So, how do I power up? Uh, I think it starts with the way I treat my body. I do my best to put the best things in my body, whether that's food, exercise, vitamins, or insulin to keep my blood sugars on track, but mostly just to feel good. Throw a little daily meditation on top of that and you got yourself a Rob Howe power-up cocktail. But the biggest thing for me is getting to interact with other Type 1s. Your comments, emails, and messages fill my cup. Uh, And there's no better community than the Type 1 community. And I have so much in common with each and every one of you. So in a way you're my power-up. Be sure to check out the Beyond Type 1 Power-Up campaign and share your power-up with me. I'm dying to hear it. All right, let's get back to the episode so we can get back to the real good stuff. Hello and welcome to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. My special guest, and there's some sort of diabetes device beeping in the background. It's got to be her, I think. Uh, Melissa Gaynor. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Melissa Gaynor, welcome. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I just took a little correction, <laughs> I noticed. I wanted to be right right in the perfect spot for our talk, so.
0: I wonder if that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like uh, I did one episode once, and I was, like, feeling kind of off. And I was like, man, why am I so tired? And I was, like, 212 afterwards, which is, you know, not super high, but enough to make you feel weird. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I, I should probably, like, have a stable blood sugar uh, for these.
1: Why not, you know? Give me 15 minutes. I'll be right there. Yeah, we'll be right, but, uh, right in line.
0: So, uh you're you're a first for uh, for diabetics doing things in two ways. Uh, number one, you were mentioned yet not by name on another another episode by Libby Russell, who's uh, uh, I have the sugars on uh, on Instagram. In her episode, she talks about meeting a CDE. So, and you are also the first CDE certified diabetes educator to come on the show.
1: I'm so honored to be here as the first uh, certified diabetes educator.
0: Is that not, is that, that's not what the C stands for, huh?
1: It is, no, oh, okay. Certified okay. Diabetes Educator. I just think a lot of us are all diabetes educators, right? Yeah. And we're out online on social media educating each other. But I actually had to, you know, do you want to know what it actually is? So I, I, I'm i kind
0: of curious, yeah.
1: Then I'll tell you. Okay, so in order to become a Certified Diabetes Educator, you either need to be a doctor a registered nurse um, like a pharmacist um, or a podiatrist and you have to have a license from the United States or its territories you can also be a registered dietitian or they call them now registered dietitian nutritionists also you have to have active registration with what's called the Commission on Dietetic Registration it's just your license thing and the other profession you can be is I'm looking at Right now, because I wanted to double check myself, but it's a health professional with a master's degree or higher in social work from a United States college or university accredited by a nationally recognized regional accredited body. So it's kind of like a secondary thing. So
0: it's like you have one of these like classifications and then this is something that you can tack on just to be like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to pick up a side hustle. I'm going to be a certified diabetes educator.
1: Right. So most people will be working in the field, and then they'll realize they have a special interest in diabetes, and then go for the um, CDE. And in order to do that, you have to do a certain amount of hours educating people about diabetes, and then you sit for an exam.
0: Nice. So, you know, you just decided to do that one day. What, uh, what made you kind of take that, take that plunge? Because you are a registered dietitian, correct?
1: That is true. Yeah. So my story is actually, so I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 1995. I was 11 years old. And um, we'll talk more about that. But I was never very, diabetes was the last thing on my mind. And it was not something I was interested in. Um, But in about 2008, I was living in the city, in New York City. And one of my best friends, um, now husband, was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And they were kind of freaked out about it and they didn't know what to do. And they reached out to me, of course, and said, hey, you know, can you help us? What can you do? And I was like, yeah, like, come on over, you know. So I taught him how to check his blood sugar, how to read food labels. I was preparing them grocery store lists and grocery shopping and all this stuff. And a few things happened during this time. Um, I myself started to apply what I was telling them. And I realized, hey, I know a lot more than I realize I know. Hey, I'm not necessarily doing all these things. But I also started to see results. So um, I brought my A1C down. I lost over the course of that year. I was also focused on my diet, 40 pounds, which was kind of crazy. And um, I realized, could this be a job? (laughs) can I do this all day? Because this is really fun. (laughs) And it's working for me. And it's working for you. He came off medication, he was taking um, metformin at the time. And he does not take that anymore. And he follows a healthy diet and exercises. But I just felt like the relationship I had with him, and the experience we had together was so rewarding that I literally googled, how do I be a diabetes educator? So you can, you know, luckily find these things out pretty easy. And the two things that I thought, well, I was like, I can't be a doctor now. I'm not going to go to medical school. It was either nursing or nutrition. And um, because I was so into, you know, what I was eating and I had lost all that weight, I said, all right, you know, let's, I'll guess I'll go back to school and get a second degree in nutrition. So that was really scary, but I wasn't thrilled in my career at the time. And it was kind of during the recession and people were getting laid off every day. So I think the timing was perfect. I just took a risk and um, I went back to school and got a second bachelor's degree. My first degree was Bachelor of Arts. So I was taking like, you know, media, guitar classes, none, of, <laughs> no science. And it was really scary. But I went back to Brooklyn College and there were a lot of second degree students there. So nutrition is a very popular uh, second degree, I feel. So there was a bunch of us and my whole my goal the entire time was to become a certified diabetes educator. But a big part of that diabetes education is, of course, nutrition.
0: Well, and, you know, I, I think so many people and now and you and I were chatting a little bit about social media earlier, like there's so many resources out there for nutrition that, you know, really aren't certified um, so I think, you know, when you're, when you're really going down that path and you're like either recently diagnosed or you are working with an endocrinologist, like what, what do you, what questions do you run into? Like, cause there's so much junk science and then there's also, you know, just like a lot of new, like cool stuff that's healthy, but like a lot of people are trying. Um, so like, what do you, like, what do you see when you're talking to people?
1: What do I see when I'm talking to people? Everyone's scared of gluten. And, um, you know, if you have celiac disease, you should be. You should avoid it. And some people just have this new gluten sensitivity. Um, I think people are just confused. Um, Labels are confusing. Things are labeled organic. But what does organic even really mean? And if I'm going to eat organic, which things should I be buying, like organic apples or organic chips? And, you know, there's a lot of confusion as far as that. And, you know, advertisers do a really good job of putting a healthy-looking Like my favorite was from when I was in college, smart food popcorn. My roommate and I would always get it and we're like, well, smart, you know, it's definitely healthy. But I had it recently actually, it's still delicious, but it's not necessarily the healthiest choice. Um, I think that, well, so because I'm a certified diabetes educator and a registered dietitian, I can work for a hospital or a doctor's office and we can bill and we can accept insurance. So that's a big line. And it's not to say that someone who is a nutritionist doesn't know their stuff. It's just um, this is you can go through your insurance, you can do do it this way, and we're very science based. So I had to take like chemistry, organic chemistry, biochemistry, advanced, blah blah blah, like learning about digestion and parts of the body, and it gets so narrow that sometimes you're like, wait, am I even studying nutrition? But then when you take a step back you may hear a claim a health claim or something and you can really apply your knowledge and say well that doesn't really make sense um or you can say oh i could see how that reaction might occur in the body Um, and another skill i got from going to school was learning how to read a claim like uh, um, you know diet soda is making you fat or blah 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 like that's blah 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 but do you know what i mean like read a claim and then click on the study and then you can analyze the study and say, all right, so this study was done on like five rats and they were in a cage and they were dumping diet soda on them for a week. I'm making this up. But you know what I mean? Like right. some studies just don't make sense and aren't, they aren't strong. And the results, you know, are just headlines. And then if you kind of read through sometimes, it's like scientists need to do further research to determine whether or not this is true, blah, blah, blah. But nobody reads that part. Everyone reads the headlines.
0: Right. It's, uh... So I think... I think yeah. very popular right now. There's a documentary on Netflix about. It's called What the Health, I think. Um, I like that ha- name. Have you heard anything about it? No. Okay. Well, what's What the Health? It's it's very it's very headline based. Uh, it's like a ve- It's on veganism and like, um, you know. Anyway, it's it's very it's propagandic in the way that i and i haven't seen all of it but i've just been following some of the different storylines different nutritionists different health gurus that are like arguing back and forth about it and that's the thing is like no one's no one's clicking watching the documentary and then going and reading the study you know they're just because we the way we consume media most people just believe it just like smart pop
1: oh it's so good though
0: it's so delicious right 100%
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I think for, you know, from my RDCDE perspective, I have more of a scientific view. Um, I think we're always going to conferences and learning the latest things about what's going on as far as, like, studies they're doing. And, you know, I, recently where I'm working now, we're talking about how to give insulin for protein and, you know, learning, you know, everyone's playing around now. Everyone's with pumps using different basal rates and stuff like that where... Right you know, it's not just carb counting, it's more, but it's advanced. So it's only for certain patients right now.
0: Right? Well, because there's, Um, you know, there's, there's everybody's so different. It's always hard to say, like, what does what, you know? Uh, Yeah, what, what are you guys finding in terms of like dosing for protein? I've always been curious.
1: Um, I can, I'll actually send you this paper that I'm looking at. I'm not going to say off cause I don't want to give you the wrong information, but once it's above a certain amount of grams of protein, you would actually bolus like your ratio for 15 carbs or something like that. Mm. But I'll send you the exact thing and that tends to work. And some people only need to do it in the morning. Um, and also you have to consider fat. Like we had some patients who, yep. if they wake up and they just have two eggs, they need to take some insulin for it.
0: Yep, I'm I'm one of those people. Don phenomenon, which yeah, is just like I, a fun thing to say. Don phenomenon.
1: I say Don, but I like Don. Right. It's well, like a person. I mean, you're
0: from I, I don't know if you're from Brooklyn, but you know, you're from New York. That's where, I, right?
1: yeah. I've got the the Long Island Brooklyn. Yeah. Deadly combo. Um. But yeah, so Don phenomenon, all that stuff. Um. But my other thing is, I don't know. I feel like my favorite diet is what works. Yeah. So if you find that, you know, cutting out whatever, whatever, or doing paleo or doing whatever it is that works for you works, then that's, that's great. And a lot of people come and they're like, they just want me to give them a piece of paper. Tell me what to eat. Right. I'm like, no, tell me what you like to eat and let's keep track of your numbers and we'll see how you respond. And we can figure out how to kind of manipulate that, and if you want to have cake, or you want to do pizza, or you want to order Chinese, like let's let's keep records, and yeah. let's see what happens when you eat it, because you know you know you order sushi and you're like oh man every time I eat sushi my blood sugar's high and you just take a bunch of insulin and you end up low and then you're like oh whatever and then I'll, like do you remember next time? Right. Probably not. You're like, oh, I think I took too much last time, blah, blah, blah. Now there's apps. There's note sections in your phone. I tell people, just write it down. I ordered sushi. I was sitting on the couch all day or I came from Iran, whatever it is. I pre-bowl I didn't pre-bowl There's so many factors. I know it's kind of exhausting, but if you just write it down, the next time you can look at it and say, or come, come to me and I'll say, let me suggest this for next time. Or this is what works for other people. Yeah, well,
0: that I've. Yeah, I, I think you know, you are what you measure, right? What, however, you measure it, there's no, you know, I remember when my first endo gave me like these printed out Excel worksheets. Basically, she's like, okay, fill in all your, you know, data from the last six months. I was like, right. I was like, nah, <laughs> nah, I'm good. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, oh, okay, I'm going to eat sushi and I'm going to give myself this ratio and this many carbs. And then two hours later, what's my blood sugar? Like you can prepare for everything. Yeah. If, if you really want to. I mean and if you really with, want within it. a certain, you know, reason. Um, well
1: that's the thing. I try to like keep it real. I'm like, I know you're not gonna write down everything you eat. But if there's one thing that you eat or a place you like to go and you know every time you have it, it makes you sick, like it doesn't have to be like that. We can make this work for you. And you know, it's not like some I remember going to the doctor and they'd look at my log and be like, On Thursday, you know, September twenty third at five, like, what'd you eat for dinner? Why was your blood sugar high? You know, and I'd be like, I don't know. (laughs) Leave me alone. So I remember those appointments. And so much of the appointment was focused on the A one C that I think for me, like going to the Endo, I was like just like hoping that my A one C was like somewhere under eight. And if that if and if it was, then I would just go home and everything would be fine. Where you know, now there's so many, there's so much more data and tools and Dexcoms and pumps and things to focus on. Um, I feel like you can get more out of your appointment. I actually tell my patients, I'm like, you're going to leave here today and you're going to learn something new about nutrition or diabetes that you didn't know when you walked in. That's my goal for you. Like if their A1C is perfect or if it's, you know, 14, I see by perfect, I mean in range, (laughs) but you know what I mean?
0: yeah I mean and and let's talk a little bit about perfect too right right um, what does that even mean? <laughs> what is that yeah uh, exactly and I think you know that's the hardest part about social media We were talking about that a little bit before is that you see so many blood sugars you see so many a one C's um, I love when people share highs because it's like oh yeah like we're we're all still figuring this out there's just there's still a little bit of variability or sometimes a lot of variability in what goes on um, Because it means that we're not all perfect. Right.
1: Yeah. The minute that word came out of my mouth, I was like, no. It's like, please take it back. Take it back. Just delete that. Thank you. Edit that out. So that's the thing. They're all just numbers. And it's like, right, you see this perfection on, you know, someone's thing is just like a straight line. And you're like, what's happening there? Or like another person that maybe, you know, they're 300 and they're like, help, like what's going on that I find it. It can be helpful, but it could be disruptive. It could be upsetting. It could be competitive. So many things. So I actually have a hard time posting myself because I was saying I want to be a role model as a CDE, but I also want to be a real person and be like, hey, I'm a CDE and I'm eating pizza and my blood sugar was, you know, 250, 300 after. And maybe it's a pot error. Maybe it's what I ate, but I'm moving on. So you don't want to like brag too much. You don't want to complain too much, but you also want to teach. So I find that a little hard on social media. I'm tr- still trying to find my, my social media voice without being uh, braggy or cheesy. Yeah, hard.
0: Not, not easy, not easy to do. I try to, you know, also changing people's minds about stuff on social media is like the most difficult thing like and pointless exercise of all time. So that's true. Um, you just get sucked into that trap. Um, uh, let's go back a little yeah. bit, um, yeah. or, unless you had another thought. No, I didn't
1: know what it was, actually.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I have that all the time, so I, I relate. Um, you weren't always open about your diabetes. You hid it for a while. Let's talk about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Let's talk
1: about that. So I was diagnosed when I was in sixth grade, and I actually called my parents last week to kind of go over what happened because I don't know how it's possible. I was talking to another friend with type 1. She, who She was diagnosed when she was four, and she's like, I remember everything. I was like, I don't really remember like, I sort of remember, but um, basically, I didn't really want to tell anyone. And my, I, I remember, like, my parents were so upset, and maybe I felt scared or embarrassed, but my dad actually told me the sweetest thing that I said. It was, like, a month, and I was 11, so it was, like, a month after I'm diagnosed. And this is an 11-year-old in the 90s, not one with, like, an iPhone and Internet and access to things. Like, I was wearing a Looney Tunes shirt, probably, and, like, catching frogs outside, and I, and I said to him, um, you know, every, everyone has something bad happen to them in their life, and if this is what's going to be bad for me, then I'm okay with that, or something like that, and I thought that was really cute, but um, I think that made me fearless, but it also made me very private about it, so I never told anyone, actually, until I think my senior year of high school. And what's funny about that is obviously people would know because I lived in a a small town. I was at a school when I was diagnosed, I'm sure. I would leave to go to the nurse to check my blood sugar. I was allowed to eat snacks in class if I needed to. But I never actually told anyone or had maybe one or two friends. But it was my little secret. And I think it was senior year and we drove the perfect place. We drove with uh, some friends on lunch and we went to IHOP. And we were at IHOP, and I didn't order anything. I, maybe my sugar was high, maybe, I don't know. And I, and I had my diabetes coming out, and I, and I said, guys, I want to tell you guys something. Um, I have type 1 diabetes. And my friend Scott looked up, to me, looked up at me, and he said, yeah, we know, you've had it since sixth grade. You were out of school for like a month. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what, you all know? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> you wear that pump thing. And I've been wearing my pump, and this is the 90s, And it was a Medtronic, like it used to be thicker and brighter um, pump. And I just used to leave the clip hanging out of my jeans like it was a pager. So I guess you could say it went smooth. And then I was all excited to kind of talk about it, but also a little embarrassed. And um, it was good because then I went into college and I, I met my roommate and was like, hi, I'm Melissa, I have diabetes, just because I was so nervous. What would she think when she saw all my medical supplies? Like, how am I going to tell her about, like, she could share my snacks but not my juice because it's medicine. And I remember having a conversation with my doctor and getting prepped for that. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was her or one of my sweet mates, but they were like, oh, cool. Like, can I check my blood sugar? I was like, what? Like, Can I try checking my blood sugar? Okay. Why would you, you know, I hated doing it. So I was like, right. yeah, go for it. And I ended up meeting another guy um, in my dorm that actually, everyone called him Pump and he wore a pump and we became friends and then, you know, so I went from being so secretive about it, not telling anyone, to talking about it in college. And now, you know, I'm a CD posting pictures of my Omnipod on Instagram. So it kind of came out on the other side.
0: That's dope. I love that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a big part of the reason I wanted to become a certified diabetes educator is when I was helping my friend out, I realized I never had this. Like I never looked forward to meeting with my endo or my CDE. I never really bonded with anyone. And I kind of wished uh I was thinking about, you know, type one beyond. Yeah. Like how they live beyond. Yeah. Like beyond I was thinking about like this is how I'm living beyond. But I I really do wish I had, like, a time machine and I could go back in time and say, Melissa, don't worry, don't be embarrassed, don't be ashamed, like, be proud and, you know, tell people. Well, I
0: mean, like you said earlier, like, it's new. Like, the diabetes is cool movement is new.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, So it wasn't cool, right. So you didn't want to tell anyone. You didn't want anyone to worry.
0: I'll place a lot of the blame on diabetes being cool on Beyond Type 1 because they – have humanized diabetes and like made, you know, you see the faces of it. And they've also put pressure on because they're there. Uh, and because the med- medical and medical device marketing worlds are so reactive, they've now tried to do the same thing. So it's like now yeah. like these voices are, are much more apparent. I remember being shocked uh, like two years ago when I was looking up, diabetes accounts on Instagram, I was like, why, like, there isn't anything, like, where, what's going on, and then I found, you know, a couple people, I found Libby, I found Beyond Type 1, I was like, wow, like, there's really not that many people, this is crazy, um, and now, and then it just,
1: boom, exploded, it exploded, it's it's totally new, because I made one, I think, I went to a diabetes sports camp for adults, which I could talk about a little bit too, uh, a few years ago, when I got home, I was like, I'm gonna track my progress, you know, and I, I think I got immediately 300 followers and to me at that time I was like oh my god I'm famous you know and then (laughs) you made it um I did it yeah no but and I connected with all these people and I happened to have the allergy to the Omnipod sticker and someone was like try Flonies and I was learning so much things I would never learn at the doctor and I was like this is awesome and then I kind of stopped doing it and I recently got um back into it because I figure you know why not and, um, yeah, it, it, diabetes is totally cool. Like, show your pod. Or maybe it was, um, what was her name? Uh, Miss Idaho had a, the tandem pump, and she was wearing a bikini, and she had the, the pump out. Did you see that a few years ago?
0: Uh, maybe. I'm trying to think.
1: I think it was, like, 2014. I was working in, at a endocrinologist. Actually, at the endocrinologist's office I was diagnosed at is where I ended up working for a while and I I remember printing that out and then I looked up a list of celebrities with type one and would like you know what is it Jay Cutler has type one he does football yeah so I would just you know I'd see what who the kid I was and get to know them a little bit and like did you know and you know and then we had Nick Jonas <laughs> so then thanks Nick yeah you know?
0: big big thanks to Nick for making diabetes really cool because Jay Cutler so like cool. you know Jay Cutler's is kind of a shithead I'll say that uh publicly not i don't know
1: anything about sports but he sounds horrible if he's
0: yeah yeah, i don't know i got i got beef with jay cutler we'll just say that okay i just think he's just he's never really been a. I I was bummed when he got diagnosed because he got diagnosed late in his life like or later like he was like 25 um in the middle of his nfl career okay and uh you know they were talking about this and he just like could not be a bigger douche and so it's just like he, he even before he was diagnosed, and so he's just like not a you know. And I'm not speaking towards the work that he does because I'm sure he's got a foundation or he's doing amazing things for type one. But uh, at the time, I was like, Man, like we really got the worst, we got the worst possible NFL quarterback. We need better. Dude, I was like, okay. oh, well, why can't Peyton Manning be type one? That was my initial thought.
1: Well, and if, and if Jay Cutler, he's not. If Jay
0: Cutler ever <laughs> listens to this, I will look him in the eyes and say it, and he because he, I'm right, I'm right on this.
1: Oh my goodness. Look what I did. This is contra- but, um, this is
0: now controversial. There's hot takes. Yeah. Hot takes coming out of nowhere over here.
1: Yeah, things are getting a little wild. Um, but yeah, so it's nice to know that there's other people though out there doing things like being professional athletes or beauty queens or pop stars, and they're living with this thing too. Especially when you're first diagnosed. Cause that was my job, uh a lot of my job at my last Um, the last place I worked where when you got diagnosed, you met me. And I was like, hi, like, it's okay. (laughs) I have it too. Yeah. Like more than 20 years. Yeah. I know. I don't look like it. Yeah. You're going to be fine. And it was a good relief for the parents. They're like, wait, what you have, how long? And, you know, for the kids, I'm still, you know, young enough that they would say, oh, wow. You know, like, so I got to be their role model. And, um, talk about things that they might not talk talk about with their doctor. And I'd be like, ask me anything, like anything. I'll be honest with you, you know. So well, I think- and I think like
0: humanization is so important because, um, you know, I was diagnosed in 2005, so like Google was in its infancy. So I was like, who has type 1 diabetes and like plays sports or, you know, does anything? And, you know, back then it was just harder to find people. Um, and now, you know kids who are just you know, social media nuts can get on there and find anybody, you know, right? Um, and I think that's what's so cool about you know this age of connectivity in this diabetic online community is you can find people who, and that's why I started diabetics doing things because there's a you know, you can be it doesn't matter who you are. You could want to be a pilot. You could want to be a diabetes educator. You could want to be a doctor. You could want to be a football player. You want to be a writer. Like there's somebody out there like you who's living with type one. and Right. And that's what's so cool now is that they're literally just a like text away.
1: I think it's good for parents. I think it's good for kids. I think it's good for adults. It's at any age to really discover this. And I feel like with type one, like it's there. And you have like ebb and flow with like how into it you are. Like sometimes I'm just like tracking and my blood sugars are on point and I'm testing and other times I'm just like, ugh, you know, I just kind of, it's not number one on the list. I'm always taking care of myself and, you know, being smart, but there are times when I'm more, I guess, into it or a little bit like almost like obsessed with it. Like, especially since the Dexcom and now I have the Apple watch, like I'm always looking at my blood sugar and sometimes it's good to just not, you know, not completely not look at it. You got to find that balance and it's hard on a day-to-day basis. So, I don't know. I, li- I really do like the fact that there's so much out there for people to look to. Because that's another complaint that people have. Like, oh, my doctor never told me that. Right? Do you remember oh, man. That's, that's
0: so disheartening to me sometimes. Like, when somebody's like, but yeah, gotta, I, I never heard that. But also, like, doctors are people.
1: Right. So, let's, here's my take on that. Okay. So, doctors are people. And you have a 30-minute visit or maybe probably about 30 minutes, maybe an hour if you're going to meet with some other people on the team. And you're there every three months. And, you know, you start from diagnosis and you're going back. And I think about myself when I was a kid. Like, they might have said some stuff, but I probably wasn't listening to everything. And we might have been more focused on, like, blood sugars or patterns and not the the fact that when it's hot out – you know, you might have more low blood sugars because your insulin, insulin sensitivity is increasing. Right. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things to talk about. And you might not have been ready for it, too. Like, for me, I always wanted to exercise. Well, no, that's that's not true. I didn't always want to exercise. But when I tried to exercise, I always went low. And I always had to eat so much food, and I would gain weight. And I always struggled with my weight after puberty. Like, I don't know if it was an insulin thing, or it was like I got a pump and I could eat what I wanted thing. Or I was eating a lot of, like, quote, remember, f- did they give you free foods in 2005? Like, cheese was free. Like, oh, you need yeah, insulin. of course, yeah. Like, there's oh, no yeah. such thing as free. That's the bottom line. Like, everything, water and air are free. Like, everything's got some calories in it. And in diabetes, zero plus zero plus zero isn't zero right so you need to be aware and i remember them trying to talk about calories with me at one visit do you want to see the nutritionist but my carb counting was excellent and i was like no like this is enough thank you you know like i wasn't ready to like learn about calories until 2008 when i started to look into nutrition or but i was saying with exercise i couldn't like figure it out but i don't think insulin on board was a thing like it it wasn't a thing on your pump and it Maybe somebody told me about it, but I didn't absorb it. So I didn't get why I kept going low sometimes when I would exercise and other times not. And I didn't know how to make it work. Well, and
0: like think about the emotions associated with exercise anyway. Like it's hard, it's hard to get up and like, yeah. you know, wake up early or go after work. You're tired. There's a million other things you could be doing. You don't see immediate results, you know. So throwing another so so throwing another wrench like consistent low blood exactly like it's
1: easier not to exercise you could have a straight line because then if you're going to exercise you need to fuel you need to figure out your insulin you need to there's so many things so that that's what i was thinking the internet is a great thing because so i met my husband and at the time i think i was doing spin a few times a week and i was sort of sort of knew what to do but sometimes i would spike but i was disconnecting and then i would take a long shower and like i just didn't realize and then of course you're gonna be high a couple hours later like you weren't connected um and then i ended up switching to the to the omnipod for that but um he was really in and he still is like really into working out and fitness and they have this thing in new york called class pass yeah where it's the it's the coolest thing ever so you can go to all these you can go to pretty much any gym in Brooklyn, New York, uh, city Queens, and Queens. You just have to sign up in advance and cancel within 12 hours or you get a charge.
0: Right. We uh, really we, have it, you, we have it we have it here ahead. in Dallas too, but I feel like in New York, I think is where it started it's started because there's a million gyms.
1: There's so many gyms. So you could do kickboxing one day and yoga another day and spin another day and then a boot camp and I was just like that sounds great, but like, I don't even want to do that. Like I kind of figured out spin and I know how to go for a run. I, I just don't think I can. And I remember he was like, there's got to be a way you can do it. And I was just like, no, there's no way. <laughs> like it won't work. I'll gain weight. I'll go low. And I think we were just sitting on a couch at his apartment and I had my computer and we were Googling and I came across a diabetes training camp. I was like, what's this? And it's, it's a camp, and it's right now based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it's an adult sports camp for people with type 1 diabetes. Sick. And it was saying, like, some people are coming and they just want to learn how to go for a walk. And other people have done marathons or are Ironmen or triathletes. And I, I remember I was like, oh, wow, this is neat. And he's like, "Uh, oh, you're going. I was like, no, <laughs> wait, what? I was like, I need to think about it. He's like, you're not thinking about it. You're going. And uh, long story short, that that completely changed my my life. I'm like a different person now. I it's you go for a week. It's like sleepaway camp. And you when I went, it was at Franklin and Marshall, which is a college. So you like live in the dorms, and every morning you go to breakfast, and then there's like activities you can do. You can go on a bike ride. You can do yoga. You can go swimming. And then in between the activities, they have meals and then a lecture. So there would be, like, what's new in diabetes technology lecture? Or what uh, nutrition lecture? Or uh, mental health skills uh, lecture? And you can go to as many things as you want or not go. And everyone pretty much who works there has type 1 diabetes. Uh, like the, the coaches, the running coaches type 1 diabetes. And the nutritionists all had type 1 diabetes. And at the end of that summer, the, the head endocrinologist doctor, who doesn't have type 1 diabetes, which I find so amazing because I don't know how he has so much uh, love for us and like can really, it's a, he's an incredible person and he really gets diabetes. He invited me to come back last summer and work as part of the staff. So a, a lot of the staff actually started out as a camper you know, with type 1 diabetes and then comes back as staff, as, you know, a nutritionist or a uh, sports coach or on the medical team. There's a few doctors there who have type 1. So how cool is that to go on a bike ride with a doctor who has type 1 diabetes, uh, you know, just a bunch of people with type 1 diabetes, a nutritionist who's type who has type 1 diabetes, and a nurse. Like, what a resource. if you're ever going to, right, if you're ever going to push yourself, like, this is the ride. And, like, everyone's got sugar in their pouch and, you know, there's someone who's on med, on staff, who's carrying whatever we need. And we stop, at, you know, maybe every 45 minutes, check blood sugar, you know. And I remember the first time being like, eh, I'm not going to check. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Literally everybody's checking their blood sugar, you know, might as well. And you really learn how to, you feel, we call, like, we call everyone else with type. When diabetes, at least that summer, normals. But yeah, you feel normal, like it's normal, too,
0: right?
1: <laughs> I haven't heard that one. We just call them normals. But it's nor like you're normal, and like everyone's beeping, like beep beep beep. That's the Medtronic one, yeah. or you heard my Omnipod, like beep, beep. and like who who's beeping and who's the Dexcom's going off? Are you low? Are you high? And everyone's do you need sugar? Do you need some insulin? And um, anyways, sorry. No, I no, no, no.
0: I it's interesting the beeps let's talk about the beeps because i've never talked Heaps about on beeps? This show. because like the like that my medtronic one i have uh, a friend with a medtronic same like revel medtronic pump that i've got from like whatever the 80s or whenever it came out but um that's another story the uh <laughs> And it like goes that beep, beep, beep. And, uh, yeah, and we both feel that we're like clairvoyant, like we can hear it through walls. And so, whenever we're in the same like building, I feel and one of them goes off, like the other one, I feel like is, like always there, like, what's up, like low reservoir or are you, uh, temp, yeah, temp basiling. So what's up?
1: I actually, so I was on Medtronic for 16 years, so I know that beep, 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 like. Anything. And I was on the subway the other day um, and it kept getting stuck. You know, clean, the train's being momentarily held. It's like the worst. You're trapped in there. And somebody's suspend was on. And I was like trying to make, I had my Omnipod out of my arm. So I was trying to show <laughs> it and like look around so someone would see me and be like, oh, I have a pump too. But I, I never found the person. But uh, yeah, but we were sitting there, there for a but... while and it kept going off. I was like, are you suspended? I think it was the suspend one. But I just hope they seemed okay. Nobody, uh, nobody asked for help. But yeah, that the beeps, peeps with beeps, is what we called. That's what we call ourselves at camp. Yeah, I remember coming home and just. It's sad when you come home because you're like, wait, I'm the only one peeping. So I can never wait to go back to camp. I'm so excited for the summer. Um, and they they're starting a teen camp too, actually for teen athletes. That's uh, launching. It's in September. I'm going to be working. It's just a weekend. The adult camp is a full week. Oh, that's I think so there's cool. a lot of stuff like this out on the West Coast. It's just not really on the East Coast. I don't know. Maybe well, I'm making that up. I feel like I people I are know. more outdoorsy.
0: Maybe they're Active. more outdoorsy, but I do feel like I, – I do feel a little bit of FOMO, like fear of missing out from the New York diabetes community. I feel like there's so much stuff that happens there. Whether it's really? events, yeah, like in, I feel like JDRF because their headquarters are there, and oh. maybe it's just because and Libby's there and Lauren Bongiorno is there, and there's like yeah, they're just beyond, hosting it beyond Type Ones. So you know, maybe it's just like you know, you're there. I talked to three or four other T1Ds from there. I, it's just a big city, right? So obviously there are more Type Ones there, but I don't know. I, I just feel like it's a much, it's a more developed community, maybe more mature community than some of the other places across the U.S.
1: I think that's, it's all social media and it's all coming together because I remember I found Libby maybe two years ago and I was like, I have the sugars, like that's the best name ever. I have the sugars too. Like, who is this person? And then through all the people on her thing, I started finding people. And then finally through work, um, we were having a table at some JDRF event, I forget what it was. And, um, this was in the winter of this year and I went up to her. And I was like, hi, um, you don't know me, but I know you <laughs> I follow you on Instagram. I'm sorry if that's weird. She was just like, no, that's great. You know, what's your Instagram? And I was just, I don't know. I feel like it makes diabetes uh, feel less bad and it makes the world feel smaller. And just because I'm a CDE with type one diabetes doesn't mean I have all my type one people around me because it's more like they're my patients. I work in pediatrics. I should probably mention that. So I work with kids So it's just good to have someone around your age, in your zip code or neighborhood that's doing what you're doing just to, you know, check in with and say, you know, this stinks or had a good day.
0: Man, I relate to that 100 percent. That's my favorite part of this is I get to talk to people that I don't know anything about. Like I've never talked to you before. Right. But we instantly have a million things in common, a million experiences that are similar. How awesome and rare and fun is that?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, no, there's a meme I've seen on Instagram, though. It's like, uh, when you when you meet someone else who has type 1 diabetes, and then it's like two people hugging, it's like, do we just become best friends? <laughs> right. But that's really what happens. You it meet is. people, and you just, you totally bond. Um, unfortunately, my closest friends from camp are in California or in Albany, and for a while, we were all following each other's uh, blood sugars on Dexcom, because we did it at camp. Right. 'Cause we were like just watching each other and it, it was too much beeping. It was making it was waking me up, waking my husband up. And I was like, Am I low or is Molly low? Oh my goodness. But it's it's cool also to get that text message or that phone call, like, hey, so you had a rough morning, are you okay? You know. Yeah. So, but it it was too much beeping. <laughs> so so it had to stop. But um it's just good to have that, that the follow the Dexcom.
0: Oh, hundred percent. I, and, I'm, uh, oh. one of my friends is giving me, uh, his G4, uh, I got to come up with some sensors, but I'm working on that, uh, cause I don't have a CGM currently, but I, that's one of my 2017 checklists. Wait, items.
1: you don't have a CGM at I all? Don't, you have Metron- I, I don't. How are you even living?
0: I know, right? I'm just like, are you a, living? I'm stone age out here.
1: Wait, so this is going to be such a cool year for you because I didn't really even want it when I got it. I right. think it's gotten better. Like it's more accurate. And sure. I was like, what is this thing on my skin? It's itchy. It's beeping. It's stupid. I hate this. And now if I have it off for like more than two hours, like even during the warm up, I'm like, Oh my God, what's, you know, not that that's healthy, but it's just so, especially if you're an active person, it's, it, it changes your life and like, So after camp, I learned how to, you know, incorporate exercise into my life. And I started, I joined up on ClassPass and now, you know, I can sign up for a 5.30 boot camp or wake up at 7 a.m. and do a spin class. And I kind of know what to do. You know, nothing's 100 percent. Obviously, diabetes, you do the same thing over and over and over and you might not get the same result every time. But I kind of have a plan. And I can look at my decks and I can look at my how much insulin I've taken and think about what I've eaten and, you know, say, okay, like I figured out these adrenaline... If I do any sort of like adrenaline activity before 9.30 a.m., I actually need to take insulin. But if I ran, I wouldn't need it. Or if I did the same adrenaline boot camp before 9.30 a.m. in the afternoon, I would need like 20 carbs to get through. But... Uh, It's all been trial and error and it's been, you know, there are frustrating times, but now I can like walk in and be confident. And if I go low, I go low. And if I end high, I end high. But I just love doing these classes and, you know, physical activity. It's, I don't know, it makes you feel good. It's good for you, right? Like
0: literally like actually good for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, literally good for your heart. But I think, you know, we have this mental toughness with type one. Mm -hmm. You've got to be tough. And you gotta have a good sense of humor, and you gotta be able to just like move on, you know. Yeah, you and it's okay have, to like get a ups-
0: short memory. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it's okay to get upset, and it's okay to get frustrated because it's upsetting and frustrating. And like that's where the whole like you know what are people showing on Instagram? Either a victory, like hey check these sugars out, or like oh man what this is the worst day ever. Right. So. That's diabetes,
0: man, isn't it? And it's so refreshing to hear that from somebody who like is a certified diabetes educator, right? Like you're the authority and that's what, that's what, that's, that's, that's it. It's diabetes. It's, it's a, it's a
1: riddle. Sometimes that's it works. my message. Yeah. My certified message. I like telling parents and kids that just cause you yeah. know, sometimes the parents will get frustrated and I can say like, listen, like they're doing pretty good yeah. considering a lot of know?
0: type a type ones out there for sure.
1: Yeah. And my dad, actually, he told me, I don't, I sort of remember, he's kind of like that, where he's like, when you were diagnosed, I said, tell me what you need to eat. So I made a spreadsheet, and I wrote it down, and we were doing exchanges at the time for carbohydrates. Did you? Right. Like, you didn't count carbs, like 15 was one. And he made, like, a spreadsheet, and he would, like, fill in what I had to eat, and, like, really... Is that type A right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and like Um, you
0: know, twenty years ago, a spreadsheet was like you know, might as well have built an entire database. Mainframe. I know he was a genius.
1: (laughs) Um, There was no Excel. (laughs) Yeah, I did this by hand. (laughs) So Uh, he, he probably did. Oh my goodness.
0: The uh, the amount of like you talk to a lot of recently diagnosed uh, patients and and parents. What do you I I always ask my question like if you had one thing that you could tell them because you're in an airport, they're going to shut your door to your gate in 30 seconds and you can't miss your flight, um, what's the one thing you tell them? But, I mean, you talk to people all the time. So what's what's the most important thing for somebody to know?
1: What's the most – well, something I tell people is not to be upset, again, like with the number, and it only takes 15 minutes for – insulin, you know, fast-acting insulin to start working. So you can see a number and get mad and get upset, or you can just take some insulin and be on your way to, you know, a lower number. But I actually thought of something better, I want to say. I think, yeah. So something I've said to a lot of people who are very upset at diagnosis is, um, you know, the truth is you can't change the fact that you have type 1 diabetes. There's nothing that we can do about that right now, but you can change the way you look at it, you know? Right. So, it's not gonna go away, but you can change how you look at it. Like, listen, I have this thing, but you know what, I'm gonna be tough about it, and I'm gonna do what I have to do, or I'm gonna, you know, you you become a, a, a more empathetic person. You become a tougher person. You have to have that sense of humor. And look at me. I got a career out of it. Like, who would I be if I didn't have type 1 diabetes? I have
0: no idea. You're preaching to the choir there. Like, I, you know, people are like, oh, don't don't you want to cure? I'm like, yeah, but I'd be so boring.
1: Well, that's what I was thinking. um, Because even with the new Medtronic, uh, the 670, they're like, imagine waking up with a perfect blood sugar and it's like a self-driving car. And I'm like, but who would I, like, what would I be thinking about? I mean, it sounds nice. (laughs) What what would I have to
0: worry about? (laughs)
1: Right. Like what are people like if I'm like writing a note, I'm writing down like my sugar or I'm checking my sugar, or looking how much insulin I took. Or maybe even like if I know I'm going out this weekend and we pick the restaurant, like maybe I'll look at the menu and just in advance say like, oh, yeah, there's stuff that if I ate that I wouldn't even have to worry. And like, oh, maybe I'll experiment with this. Like I'm always kind of and planning my exercise. So, you know, just use it as use it as a strength. Use it as something to make you unique. Use it as something to make you tough. And, you know, I have one of my patients now, she wants to become a doctor. And, you know, I have another little girl who told me she wants to be a scientist. So Aww. I think back to my 11 year old self who said, everyone has something and this is what it's going to be. It's not so bad, you know. I think I thought that that was the only thing bad that could ever happen. So I became very fearless and, you know, climbed glaciers and went skydiving. In my teen year, or maybe I was 20. But um, it doesn't really work like that, just so you know. (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) But, yeah, it made me fearless, and it made me have the career I have today. So, you know, ignoring it and being upset isn't going to get you anywhere. But you can take advantage of the tools you have, and you can make the best of it. And now you can get on social media and connect with people all over the world and, you know, empower each other, make a friend.
0: And you should, I, um, yeah, you definitely. know, I, I'm so glad that I did. I don't, you know, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, um, yeah. You know, then you wouldn't have had that classic moment where you get to walk up to Libby and be like, Hey, uh, I know you, but, uh, you don't know me, uh, but you're the sugars.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think she was like, I'm sorry, my sugar's actually going low right now. And she had her decks. I'm like, no, it's fine. You know, and then we ended up meeting again at, uh, recently, um, at a recently at like a JDRF thing, or I'm not even sure what it was. But it's all because of social media. Yep. There's another girl in New York, uh, Liz, who does. She's like a spin coach. I don't know. I started finding right. So I always thought I couldn't be fit because I had type one, but now there are all these fit people with type one, and I'm like, I want that. So they're yeah. inspiring me, and I'm pushing myself, and I've definitely noticed like. I've become weight, you know, become stronger and just like I'm willing to try anything, you know.
0: Oh, right. And like it's so cool that like other T1Ds are so willing to give of themselves for each other. Um, totally. Which yeah. Is so rare, I feel like in today's world, um, which is sad, but um, it's cool to have like, you know, re- legitimate, like real life, like brothers and sisters who will like just give you their time.
1: Right, give you time, give you tips. I saw something on Facebook not too long ago, and someone was babysitting or something in New Jersey for their cousin, and their punch site fell out, and they didn't know what to do, and the parents wouldn't be home till whenever. And someone else was like, where are you? Like, what town? And they were like, I live 10 minutes away. I'll bring you a set. I was like, oh, my God.
0: That's so great. So
1: cool. How awesome is that? And, yeah, it was just like a group of people – I don't even know if they had known each other in real life, but we all kind of knew each other just from being in this little Facebook group Um, or I saw someone else post once and I was like, they they broke their, you know, lancing device and I was like, "Uh, I work in the city and I have like a whole bunch in my office if you want, you know, could loan you one or you could have it actually forever, but, (laughs) Um, and they ended up somebody, they're like, somebody actually already mailed me one, like a free genteel thing. I was like, "Who does that? We're all so nice to each other,
0: right?" So awesome.
1: So yeah. Well. So we're all just diabetics doing things, I guess. I I guess so. (laughs)
0: Uh, Wow, you literally couldn't script a better like wrap up for an interview uh, than that right there.
1: (laughs) I just linked if this was a video. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You, uh, I paid you under the table for that. I'm going to send you a bunch of diabetes supplies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let me get them test strips.
0: No kidding. Um, well thank you so much for coming on the podcast Melissa it was I mean you're a, such a refreshing take uh, and personality on living with type 1 and I'm so glad that you get to impact and touch uh, new and and just regular living with type 1's young and old type 1's <laughs> uh, you know in in your day to day life I think that's super valuable and we're lucky to have you
1: oh thank you for having me I enjoyed our chat
0: Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to
1: share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.